Welcome to Not Exactly Citizen Kane, the Academy Award Discussing Podcast. What you are about to listen to is part two of a much longer conversation about the films of 2019. So if you haven't listened to part one and are worried about suffering from FOMO and missing some of the jokes and all the in bits and stuff, uh, just go back and listen to that. It's the previous episode. Um, But if you feel like a maverick and you just want to dive straight in, you know, power to you, my friend. Jolly piano themes uh, clashing with with some dark subject matter. Should we talk about Jojo Rabbit, which also has a oh. stunning theme? It's Michael Giacchino. Should we just right? This is going to be a running theme. The next, all of the next films that we talk about, I'm going to say, what a great score. But Michael Giacchino, <laughs> like I will say exactly like that. What a great score, <laughs> Michael Giacchino. I I bang on about him all the time, um, but I don't even care. I'm sorry. He is a genius. He is bringing back melody to, th- to film themes. You know, he's bringing back hummable themes. Do you film. like I him just... by any chance? <laughs> I, 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 he's all right. No, I, I, I just think he's fantastic. He, I, I, his, not, I'm genuine. This wasn't by design, I promise. His Star Trek theme is fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. No, but it is. It is, and that's a hard job. I've Star and Trek I think has might... appeared in every single episode. I, I was, I was going to say, I'm, I'm waiting for Star Trek to be brought up in, in some capacity. I was ready I for it. I, well, that wasn't, that wasn't even why I started talking about Michael Giacchino. I was like, what one was, yeah. But it's, it's, it might even be the best Star Trek theme, the one he did for the the JJ films. Well, you know, hey, there's been many good ones. But uh, what else? He's done. Uh, He's been he's been doing some of the Marvel stuff. His Doctor Strange mm. score is oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know he did that. Oh, it's just amazing. Oh, the Doctor Strange's theme is just incredible. It's quite like the Star Trek thing, but but it but it but it's really good. Um, his Spider Man one as well. He did the the Tom Holland Spider Man films. Oh um, right, da, okay. Da, 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 yeah, you're da, right. Da, 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 about da, da, the whole da, da. it being very melody focused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Rather than the, being quite like impactful, sort of. Uh, yeah, know, suspense driven, like a lot of Hans Zimmer stuff. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to say Hans Zimmer is all about texture. So he and he's mm. and everyone's kind of followed his lead. It's all about big chords moving in tandem with each other, right? Mm. And 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 Chikino's kind of brought back hummable stuff. Not lots of other people. Christoph Beck, I think, is doing some really interesting stuff, mainly on TV, but but just Chikino, 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 and obviously all the Pixar stuff. He's done a lot of the he did up. He did. Oh, um, that makes so much sense. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. Back, he did The Incredibles. He did The Incredibles. Oh, <gasps> oh, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay, now, now I'm taking him seriously. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's, oh. ju- he's just fantastic. He did a couple of Mission Impossible th- films. He did, yeah, you know, he's obviously he didn't write the theme for those, but, um, and his score in Jojo Rabbit, I think, is just beautiful. It's re- it's, it's kind of this, it's mainly one thing. It's this beautiful sort of, March and and sung by it was not it was kind of beautiful and horrible at the same time it's sort of because mm. it's quite militaristic and but it's it's just really clever work it's I just but using love um Giacchino. using like quite a lot of famous like songs in pop culture as well but turning oh yeah yeah German. The, the I, soundtrack like, is it's just oh. it's just brilliant I mean quite it's frankly so good. 
if you open on the Beatles and end with David Bowie, you can do whatever you like sold. and I'm there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm yours, quite frankly. And you've got Michael Giacchino in the middle. I, I'm, I'm, I cannot not like your film. I, you know. This, this film, so I went to see this film, the Jojo Rabbit, in uh, it was a great streak of films this year. So, oh, yeah. you know, from yeah, yeah, yeah. 1917, Parasite, Lighthouse, Knives Out, Jojo Star Rabbit. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, yeah. That was that broke the streak. <laughs> that was after. But that, we don't that, mention that. That streak of films. <laughs> yeah, that was just like, like the, four, the fourth Indiana Jones film. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so I watched this in cinemas, I think with my dad and my brother. And then later, we like recently we watched it again at Christmas and... I, and it was weird because we had to try and convince my mum to watch it because she saw the trailers for this film. She saw Taika Waititi dressed as Hitler and she saw the jokes about Nazis and she thought, oh, it's a bit, it looks a bit silly. It looks a bit silly to me. Yeah, convi- but, that, but that's that's the point of yeah. it. That's, that is the absolute like core of this movie, like portraying Nazi journey through this, like, it, like yeah. parodying it and making it so absurd. So Jojo Rabbit is, uh, it's about the dying days of the, of well, the a, Nazi Germany, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about, about indoctrination, yeah. doing it really cleverly. So it, mm. so in this, it's, a, it's, it's based on a book uh, as well, this one. Which is not... It's not a funny book a funny at book, all. Yeah, yeah. So Taika Waititi, <laughs> so he read this book when he was young and he, but he obviously saw some potential in it. And he's, and... It's about a young lad who is a member of the Hitler, the Hitler Jugend, the Hitler Youth. Caging Skies is, yeah. the, is, the, is the book. And um, his imaginary best friend is is Hitler, as played by Taika Waititi. And apparently there was a studio note. Yeah, that he had to, if they were going to have Hitler, <laughs> yeah. it, had to, it had to be Taika yeah. Waititi doing it. But it's, oh, it's, it's the what. The way that Hitler, the, the imaginary friend of Hitler, is presented in this film throughout, it's it's that it's the, he is the voice of indoctrination. That is, so the uh, the Hitler Youth in Germany was was a power was such a powerful tool because you know we can talk about how you know evil the Nazis were, but they they were clever buggers because they realised that that children are the future, <laughs> <laughs> and the way to get them is to get them young. Yeah. But there's this, you know, there was yeah, it's a much darker version of that song. <laughs> well, if you think, if you think. At, the, if we're going to go political for a moment, then so the Nazis only got thirty three percent of the vote when they got in, so they weren't actually they didn't have the majority of support. But what they did have was the young people that they could transform. They created this these. So there was the the Hitler Youth for boys, and I can't remember. It's the the League of German Maidens, which is the equivalent for yeah, women. They're a great band. This is. <laughs> we're, the, we're the League of German Maidens. One, two, three, four. That is my uh, my pop punk girl band coming up oh, next next year. <laughs> but the idea controversially is, named. Um, but they, yeah, they amazing distill these ideas. These you know, if if you take young children and say that you're you know, you're amazing, you're powerful, you're the best in the you know your your race is the best in the world, and that you know, the, and you te- you give them picture books showing. You know, like with with you know, if if I drop this many bombs on and kill this many Jews, how yeah, it's it's. But the thing is that this that mentality, you know, it's what this film is doing is showing it how juvenile that mentality, that kind of racist eugenics idea is. Yeah, like all the stuff of you know, have you heard the the rumor that Hitler only has one ball? No, he he has he has three. <laughs> was it awesome? It's, yeah, it's but also but also some of the the. 
the funniest stuff in this, the, the stuff which seems ludicrous in this film, like, to, you know, the, the bits, uh, again, so trilling into spoiler territory here, the bits towards the end of the film when the Allies are invading and you see you know, it's just villagers and and chil- children given guns, children given bombs and told, told to run and hug an American soldier. That's all true. That is That genuinely yeah. happened. But it's so ludicrous that it's nothing but it, that it feels funny. But well, like, uh, also the uh, like a couple of the lines that Rebel Wilson's character says throughout, um, you know, are telling lies about uh, the way that Jews look. Yeah. You know, you should always be on the lookout for them because they they've got pointy teeth or or whatever. You know, and to think that now we think, oh my god, how stupid are these people to believe stuff like that? And yet, yet people did. Yeah. It was and, it was an entire revolution built on on lies, and people still do. People, it, I think it, it's what this film. So the, the the other main part of this film is young Jojo. His mother is hiding in in a in their wall a young Jewish girl, and I think it was you, it was you, Alex, who said that this film is about the power of. Uh, the power of conversation, the power well, it's of... It's about debate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That once you interrogate these ideas, they fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but the key so to right. it is that he talks to her. He gets yeah. to hear the other point of view and he gets persuaded slowly through what he sees is true, in, in which, which always wins the kind of slander that is being thrown to him you know, through these this horrific propaganda. Yeah. And the logic just falls apart. Of- no, exactly. Because of course it does. Because yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, and, 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 but it's the talking that's important. It's, the, it's mm. that if we sat down and actually broke this down, rather than listening to our imaginary friend Hitler, yeah. you know, it, 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 we would be able to see. And, yeah. and I think it's very clever. I, I actually think it's really interesting what you said about your, your mum thinking it was going to be silly. Because... I like a lot of Taika Waititi's films. Um, you know, things like Hump the World of People, What We Do in the Shadows, all of that stuff. Mm. And I was familiar with all of that. Really excited about this film. Heard really good things. Went to cinema to see it. And we all know what my, <laughs> how changeable my opinions are. I wasn't fussed about it. Um, I thought it, and my, um, here's, and I do think this is a problem with the marketing of it. Because I wanted it to be funnier. And that's a silly thing to say, but I thought it's a psychopathy doing a satire about um, indoctrination. <laughs> okay, so it's going to be, and 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 for me, and obviously it, it hits you in all sorts of emotional places, a lot of which weren't expected, and that all works really well. But initially, I was taken aback by how I don't think it is primarily a comedy. I I think. There is obviously there are jokes in it, and and Taika Titi is is very funny in it, but I think a lot of the kind of the stuff it's absurd, and it's kind of saying look how ridiculous this movement was, but I I don't think it's, and I actually think that's a good that's that's why the film works is that it's not a comedy, it's just kind of pretending to be one um, on the surface, but it did take it mean meant it took me a while to get kind of come round to it because I I needed to watch it knowing what it was. Do you know? Before I kind yeah. of went, oh no, this is this is genius. And every time I watch it, I like it more. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny because I don't know whether I would whether I would call this movie a comedy necessarily. Like, obviously, it has like brilliant moments where you know you you kind of have to laugh, like just so you're 
you're reminded that it's it's okay to laugh at this. Yeah, it's Stephen okay Merchant. to make fun of the fact that it's oh, the comedy Nazi. Oh, that brilliant. whole sequence is just yeah, it's hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Yes, but it's like uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'd call this a comedy. It's just absurd, and it has these well needed moments of levity in it that just remind everybody like take a breath. We know that yeah. we're dealing with quite an intense topic for a lot of people. Um, and it's, yeah, just just remember that you're allowed to laugh at this if, if you want to, if you feel like you can. So Yeah, I think... And the score's really oh, good. Yeah. Well... So before we talk, we said that um, Adam Driver should have got um, the best actor for, for oh, his yeah, portrayal yeah. in Marriage Story. Now... Scarlett Johansson is also in Marriage Story, but I think mm. if she was going to get... Oh, she's so good. If she, if she was going to get oh, the award God. this year for her performance, it should be for this Tell film because she yes. steals yeah. this oh, film. It's she's the, fantastic. I think it's Abs- the absolutely. best thing she's ever been in. Tell you what, there's so there's a Tarantino film on this list and Jojo Rabbit is the film that uses feet in the best way. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my... Oh, my God. The... The reaction that I had in the yeah. cinema. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. When, <laughs> Big so, spoiler. Uh, am, am I allowed to spoil this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, yeah Avril is about to spoil Jojo Rabbit. Um, so just, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, if, yeah if, if I'm allowed to. So essentially, Jimmy Hoffa dies. Whole- <laughs> Robert De Niro shoots Beth in the back of the head in uh, Little Women, which was a shock. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, throughout the whole film, um, Jojo's mother, who plays Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> Jojo's she... mother, who plays Scarlett Johansson. Wait, did I just, I just <laughs> said that wrong. Sorry, I've, I've been at this no, no, for hours. She, do you know what? Jojo's, um... Jojo's mother was amazing <laughs> in Marriage Story. She plays... right. <laughs> let, let me try that again. So in this movie, Scarlett Johansson plays Jojo's mother. And throughout the movie, she pays particular attention to uh, shoes and um, make sure that Jojo's shoes are always like tied up, his laces are tied up. And a lot of the shots of her actually focus a lot on, on her shoes as well. Um, and you kind of see these, these she wears these uh, sort of like wing tip kind of brogy style shoes throughout the whole movie. And then um, kind of like partway through the film, Jojo uh, is following this butterfly, I think. I think it's a butterfly. Yeah, it's a blue. Yeah. Um, yeah following to a butterfly and um he basically knocks into a body hanging in the square and we've already only... seen these bodies with that we've already yeah. focused yes. on their yeah, feet we've already, on the we've already well. seen the bodies be there with with the mother as well the mother was yeah, present yeah. when they saw the bodies the first time he uh yeah he bangs into these hanging shoes and we see that it's the mother's shoes. We never see her body. We just see her shoes. Yeah. And it tore me apart. Oh, yeah, it's just, just. I just, I yeah. was, I was, Hubbard. it was like a gut punch. It was horrible. But I mean, it was, it was so, so delicately well done. Yeah, well. yeah, and and the whole again we, we were talking about Tarantino yeah. teaching you about your that he's Taika Waititi is going look at the feet okay and you're you're just thinking it's just you know you don't realise it's important until it is <laughs> and then it suddenly becomes a motif and then he because he has trouble tying his shoelaces so she's been tying his shoelaces for the whole film and when she when he sees her feet her shoes are untied and so he ties oh, her shoelaces yeah. I mean it's just it's devastating oh. but. but 
we're talking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, exactly what we were saying about Sharon Tate, you, I think the reason that gut punch is so hard is because she, throughout the film... She has lines. She's, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. She, she speaks more than three times. But, she, she, but she's so full of... She's the heart and soul yeah, of the film. She's absolutely. so full of energy. God, yeah. And scene, life, so full of life. Yeah, and that scene where she... Like Jojo's saying, oh, I miss miss my dad. And she grabs the... She kind of... You think for a moment she's going to storm off. But she puts on his coat, grabs the soot from the fire and wipes and becomes his... It's such an astounding performance and mm. i think and you, you need by building by giving her so much to power in the film that that when when we find her dead it just deflates you i think mm. i think it hit me quite hard because not only the nature of of jojo finding her um and and the fact that it was you know jojo's only uh parent now because I, I assume that the, the father is no longer in the picture for whatever yeah. reason. But the reason it hit me so hard is that for, for a lot of the, the film, she is she's kind of, she's just kind of like the everyday German citizen who has to follow the, the Nazi regime and, and seem like she's in support of it. Otherwise, you know, she's going to end up the way that she did. And But secretly underground, she's she's trying to like rally people up and and she's she saved a jew like she's mm. kept a jew in her house and for her to end up that way it, it speaks volumes to the amount of people who ended up just like her who were trying to make a change and and save people and sadly she could not be saved yeah yeah and the scores are amazing right <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I totally agree. Nothing else to say on that. Yeah, fantastic. yeah, she's think, amazing. Yeah. She's the, great. I think the range of characters in this film is brilliant as well because I think mm. there's there's this that, that we're at the point now. There's this cliche, isn't there, that whenever you're talking about politics or people, as soon as you compare them to Nazis, it's it yeah. deflates the argument. You've gone too far. But I think what that and what that does is you know we, we the whole point of uh, kind of you know near. Nuremberg and the response to the Second World War is that oh, well, let's not forget you know we need, we've learned a lesson from this we've gone too far we've seen what humans are capable of but now we're at a point where we've sort of mythologized the Nazis so much like they're you know they're the bad guys in films they're kind of always being yeah, duffed yeah. up and yeah. and the point is oh well, you know we forget I think that the, that these were that normal people were swept along with this yeah and that, absolutely that. Yeah, and and I think it's it. It's, a, it's what this film does is it shows you a range of people who the, the, it, you sh- it shows you the ordinariness of the people who are living in a Nazi country, but how how these lies and this false advertise fake news. I can't remember what the term is. There's a there's a German term for fake news which was used by by the Nazis, um, and it's basically it's how how this idea can you know the the image of they all think they're winning the war until this this last moment when the allies come over it's i don't know i i think it's a really timely film with the kind of way that media is twisting at the moment if, you know if do you, do you guys know where the name nazis comes from well, it's the uh, national so. and social yes. nationalist socialist party so they're the national socialist oh. german workers party 
is oh, and then that gets shortened to Nazi. But if you but if you think national and socialist, are yeah, completely yeah. opposite. Socialists <laughs> just like the Manson family. But right, if they, but the, the whole point is that they would go around, they would adjust what they're saying at, at rallies in different places. So there's so, uh, National Socialist German Workers Party. So if they're talking to workers and farmers, they're like all for socialism and for the workers. And if they're talking to people, you know, nationalists, so they're basically just covering all the bases. Of course, yeah, nationalist yeah. socialist. That's a, yeah, I never clocked that. What before. Do, you know, it's also what do they <laughs> wow. what do they stand for as well? They stand for everything. They stand for whatever will get them into power at that time. And doesn't yeah. that sound weirdly familiar? Just the yeah. two things that mm. are going. So I think I yeah. think the portrayal of Nazis in this film is important because it, I think being able to poke holes in them and demythologize them is is something that's really key at the moment. Yeah, the the whole like the, the politically uh, the politically charged kind of plot of this film. Um, it's very easy for us to look back and say, you know, oh god, how silly were they for believing in in all yeah. this? How absurd it is. But we only we only feel that way because of this wonderful thing called hindsight. Yeah. And I'm sure that in what I don't know, fifty years time, if we look back at what's happening at the moment, like particularly with the kind of protests that are going on around, you know, kill the bill. Yeah. We mm. I'm sure we would probably feel Parts one exactly and the two. same way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 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 nice. I arrived while that was happening, but completely missed it here in Bristol. It's... Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, did, did, so did you walk, you walk in as, as Uma Thurman was cutting down? Yes, the yeah, it was, yeah, and the, the crazy 88 were just sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah, wreaking yeah. havoc. So was it, was it, was, yeah, so it was at the end of part one. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it was that black and white bit where the bride yeah. is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about Superman. Oh, he, so I, I could, um, I could, have, I could. Easily have a rant about how he gets Superman wrong in that film, but I won't Stop because I have Superman self-respect. wrong, Quentin. He he, Honestly, so. David Carradine, you got it wrong, Bill. Oh. It's one film, Quentin. It's one. Yeah. Fi- it's one film. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I went off on one a little bit there, but I. But no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, all, also, all important stuff as well. I just like shout out to the two young main characters in this film oh they're um, so good oh my Ro- gosh roman, so is it good. roman roman griffin davis yeah yes yeah he's exactly the right kind of annoying isn't he he's yeah, like he, but he's he does so it. good both yeah, of them are amazing fantastic. i mean he he has to be annoying though, yeah well no that's what, what i mean what i mean well, he's exactly. kind of, yeah he, he has yeah, to well, yeah, be that's what I was, i'm not saying he's an annoying child i'm oh, saying right, he's okay. giving, he's doing he's playing exactly the right Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he oh, doesn't wait, make you. A, he's not. What's cute. the character's name of, of the other one? Elsa. His friend. Oh no! 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 Yorgi. 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 Oh my god! Yeah. Honestly, every time he came on screen, I just did a little audible. Oh, like he's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Archie it's those Yates. Two. Archie Yates. Archie Yates. of the Lost Ark, but it's those two. Yes, the two children as children. Sold. Sold. I'm there. Of course, uh, yeah. Stephen Merchant has said that. Um, yeah, okay, Raise the Lost Ark, but it's Alfie Allen, Stephen Merchant, and uh, and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Uh, oh, 100%. Uh, Stephen Sam Merchant has. Sam Rockwell in this. Oh, yeah, I think, my I think gosh. We've talked about how we think all films by law should be 90 minutes long mm. or less. And after The Irishman, <laughs> I think we're definitely right. Um, I also think there should be a law saying if you want to make a film, you have to put Sam Rockwell in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Without I, Alan, I, I think, preferably. Yeah, yeah, for both of them. <laughs> them as a couple, I think, is, yeah, yeah. It, that should be, just... like, the next big, you know, that Hollywood likes to kind of shit people, I think, those two. <laughs> Alfie Allen and Sam, yeah, they're so good. Well, he's just so, Sam Rockwell is just brilliant in it. Because, again, he's, I mean, there's a kind of a thing, isn't there, a problem in Hollywood of the nice Nazi, right, of mm. the good German. Mm. And and uh, the good German is what it's called, but German, anyway, not synonymous. I'm not saying, but anyway, that's what people call it, the good German problem. And he kind of lots of lovely argue. Germans. Well, exactly. Yeah, Germans are lovely, but Nazi, Nazis aren't. And all Nazis, not all Nazis are German and not all Germans are Nazis. Anyway. Um, in fact, we'll talk about that when we get to 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not Nazis <laughs> in that. Yeah. No, no, I know. But I, well, yeah, okay. So <laughs> what? name a big blockbuster set in World War One. Recently, no, Wonder Woman. Okay. Oh yeah, and oh. and okay, so set in World War One, the villains, right? The Germans, mm. they're Nazis, right? I mean, oh, they're not, yeah. but yeah. they're Nazis. It's World War One. Yeah, it's World War One. Yeah, she's God, a scientist. Yeah. yeah, it's World War One. Yeah, <laughs> they're not, but they're Nazis. But it's well, anyway. Well, that's, um, that's because America doesn't. They, yeah. they only joined at the end of of the first world war, so they don't really know what happened. Yeah, exactly, that's it, the thing. When we were watching they Wings, they only saw the season finale. And it's, when it's in, in Wings, uh, they saw the best bits, the yeah. highlights. The, yeah, the, the edited highlights. <laughs> the Snyder cut, not, not yeah. the Snyder cut. Yeah. They, they saw they saw Peter Jackson's "They Shall Not Grow Old." Um, yeah, <laughs> and just went, yeah, fair enough. Where um, are the orcs? Yeah. <laughs> They shall not grow old. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I feel we've got slightly sidetracked. Um, yeah, Sam Rockwell should be in all films. Yeah. Um, was, and and um, Stephen Merchant. Was it meant to be that he was kind of a, a, a gay Nazi? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, they are good. totally shagging. Which is totally... Which, which I just—it was so good. It was just—it was just so good. But that's such a you know, the paradox of his his character is so interesting because obviously he's a he's he's an injured so a he's an injured soldier so he's before, he's you know he's teaching children as opposed to bit obviously he believes in he's he's obviously a, um, a nationalist he believes in Germany but obviously he's but he's a Nazi and we famously well, yeah. the Nazis did not like gay people. So it, he, he's he's such an interesting character. He's kind of like he's obviously but, he believes in his country and believes in the, the valor of being a soldier. But there's just that one one part of it that doesn't quite work. But but that's 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 what I was going to say. The the, hmm. the good Nazi problem in films where you go yeah, but hey, this Nazi's nice. And actually, Sam Rockwell does good things for our main character, right? He stands up for him. Mm. But at the same time, you don't get well, the he sense... He saves his life, doesn't yeah. he? He's, well, exactly, yeah. T- twice, really, because yeah. he, he doesn't rat out the Elsa. Yes, earlier, yeah, aren't. absolutely. But at the same time, you don't get the sense that he's an, he's no, he's no. still a Nazi, you know. He's yeah. still, he's still mm. a bad, bad guy. He's giving children grenades. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and knives. The bit, the, I think the, I thought possibly one of the funniest bits of the film is when he says... He's talking about his uniform that he's designed. Yeah. is ridiculous. And you think it's just a joke. And then in the last battle, he's <laughs> and wearing he it. he turns up yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, okay, okay. We brought nicely onto music. I want to talk about, I've talked about Giacchino in the score, but the, we touched on it briefly. Starting with the Beatles in mm. German. Starting yeah. with, um, is it, I want to hold your hand? Yeah. Um, yeah. And those images of of Nazi rallies and it's like Beatlemania. It's just, it's just, yeah. just so clever. Yes, so clever. Yes. It's just contextualizing Very. it. And what an, I mean, that ending is an all timer, right? That ending with, yeah. spoiler, with heroes, Hunden. Is it called a Helden? Helden. Helden? Helden. It's, and in those credits, it's Helden, yeah. which is German for heroes, right? Yeah. 
I don't speak German. I, I, I don't speak I very good English. You're, you're um, pushing the edges of my German there. Uh, <laughs> I haven't quite got that far. Um, <laughs> you haven't got to the David Bowie module. No. <laughs> um, uh, yes, yeah, ending on that. And, and the score kind of starts it. Have you noticed that? The score yeah. starts, it starts playing in the background of the score. Da, 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 da. But there's this, there's then, this bit, it's, it's foreshadowed, is because there's a bit when he, um, Jojo oh, asks yeah, yeah, Elsa, yeah, yeah. what will you do when you get out if you're, if, says, you're, if we're free? And she says, I'll dance. dance. And then that happens. And, and they, at the end, they, just, they, oh, they dance to Heroes in German. Yeah. And just, I mean, if you, if you end, but it's just, I think needle drops. Yeah. And one of my, it's just the best thing in films, right? When a pop music <laughs> works really yeah. well. Yes. But yeah. The, my favorite, my subcategory, my favorite needle type of needle drop is the the end of a film. Yeah. Right. The the song at the end of the film, and then you play the rest of it over the credits. Like uh, we talked about Goodfellas a lot. Like um, I did it my way. Yeah. Being by the Sex Pistols, Pistols being over the credits. They're not the Sex Pistols. <laughs> sex Pistols. The Sex, sex Pistols. pistols. Um, and uh, my, I've won, I think possibly my favorite of ever of all time is. Uh, in the social network ending on he's refreshing his Facebook page to see if Rooney Mara has liked his, his yeah. accepted request. Oh my and God, yeah. Baby, you're a rich man plays by the Beatles, which is just, <laughs> it's just genius. But, but yeah, heroes in this. But, it's oh, such, but also, it's, I mean, it's a banger, but also. It's, it's about Germany, right? Is it, it's, 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 it's looking to the, the future war. of Germany. It's about, yeah. cause the next step for Germany is obviously separation into East and West and the Berlin Wall and all. So it's looking, it's looking to the future of Germany, but also that, that war will come to, you know, it's, it's, it's such a good, yeah. it's such a, it, contextually, that song and some is perfect. Really, Adorably dorky dancing. Yeah, well. it's it's kind of, but yeah. it's it's <laughs> terrible dancing, but it's perfect. Yeah, right? it's, it's perfectly terrible dancing, and, and I'm, just, I'm yeah. sure Taika Titi had something to do with that. It's, yeah, well, I I I because obviously it's a, it's them. They're both looking straight down the barrel of the lens. It's Taika Waititi behind is dancing with them, right? He's oh they're, they're, yeah, definitely. he's imagine it. They're both, obviously they're both looking at each other, but imagine they're both they're both looking at Taika Waititi while they're doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. Do you know what? I, I've I've always been a bit more lukewarm about it than everyone else, but I think you just persuaded me. I, I, it's just just <laughs> that's yeah. my good for the day. Yeah. It's worked. Yeah, properly brilliant. It's properly brilliant. I I always this is the one on the list I forget was nominated. Yeah, and even though I think actually again you've persuaded me, I think it probably is deserved best picture more so than the Irishman. Oh yeah, um, and and uh, Ford v Ferrari and Pie. I I still. Once put a time in Hollywood has a place on this list. There, but, are f- um, there are four films on this list that I think, obviously, obviously, Parasite's the great decision. But if any of them had won, I think it would yeah. have been a victory for. So if this would, if this one had won, it would have been a victory for, for, well, genre. Yeah, for, for, I mean, for comedy. Genre doesn't do yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even I though think, we just I think, said um, it wasn't a comedy movie, well, but it, it, it's comedy by. Oscar yeah. standards, right? Yeah, it's a co- not, it's not a- Oscar who we had on last time. I mean, <laughs> Oscar. Well, it's, it's. I think the idea is, you know, there's this kind of snobbiness to comedy that can't be clever, and I think this film is is exactly oh, very clever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. I think. Um, didn't this did this win adapted screenplay? Yes, it did. It yes. did. Okay, so I so whilst it didn't win a best picture nomination, I'm so so glad that it won in that category. Because it just, it really did deserve something. And um, I th- yeah. yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think it did deserve adapted screenplay. And any other year I'd be thrilled. But Greta Gerwig for Little Women. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I think even though this is genius, Jojo Rabbit, I think Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women is so clever and yeah, so no, clever to the right. point where you don't even notice it's clever. And I think that actually the reason... I can't believe they didn't nominate her for Best Director. But the reason they didn't no. is because I think it's a film that doesn't look like it's been directed. Yeah. It, it's, which is which is a good thing. I mean, it it's subtle. How mm. it, you don't realize how clever yeah. her version of this film is. The the recontextualization of it is genius. Genius. I I think I think a lot of people have been put off by watching Little Women, or at least it doesn't reach like as as wide a demographic. The same way that Ford versus Ferrari, like we've said, is more of a dad movie. Mm, yeah, I think yeah. you 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 uh, you have that perception of um, even if you don't know anything about the story, you just you hear Little Women and mm. you see four women who look like their sisters, and well, because they are sisters yeah. on the the, the, mo- the movie. Um, and some people are just put off by watching a film about. Women. Well, it's a girls' film, isn't it? It's a girls' yeah, film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a girls', girls film. film. And not only that, it was directed by a woman too, yeah. so it's really girly. And it and it really upsets me that people have that perception of this movie because it's it's just it's not like that at all. It has it has so much soul and heart to it, and oh, I it, yeah. I love this movie so yeah, much. It is stunning. It is yeah. stunning. Do you- I can't. I can't. I have, I'm sure I must have had this conversation with you, Alex. But have, have either of you? Did either of you read the book? Like as a because I think I, I have been trying to get through the book, but I have <laughs> I have a 700 page, um, like I, I I don't know whether it's a it's um well I mean I'm I'm, I'm sure the story must be quite long anyway. Hmm. Well, it's yeah, the, too, the book I have is huge, yeah. so I'm I am really struggling with it to be honest. It's, it's two books, is what you're saying. As well, well, it's, like, it's it? some some it depends where you are. Yeah. So originally, it's published <laughs> yes. as two books. And little then, women and little wives. Yeah, which, and then it's and, put together and, quite into like a compendium. Uh, but basically, what Greta Gerwig did, and I th- so when I I hadn't read the book and I didn't mm. know anything about it other than that Beth dies. Um, <laughs> sorry but it's come on um he's a ghost uh they're on earth it's a sled best place um what was i saying i I hadn't read the book and actually i think and i so i didn't know how Mm. greta gerwig had recontextualized it and guess what this was another one that i was i thought it was very good but it didn't move me when i saw it in the cinema and uh, and when I saw it again for this, I just it's just amazing. Yeah. It's just so good. Um, but I think actually it's one of those films that you get more out of if you've read the book. Yeah. And having yeah. not read the book, that's a possibly a leap. But I think you get more out of it knowing you can. It's more apparent how clever she is because yeah. what she does is so basically, Little Wives is all the stuff in the present day in the film, and then Little Women is the flashback right basically it's, it's sort so of she tells- post and post hang on pre pre beth and post beth I'd yeah, say yeah it's, exactly. it's kind of mm. like the, the pinpoint for the yeah chronology of, yeah of yeah the but film. but also the, yeah they're both they're both the books right so she's doing both books at the same time out of order and what she i think what she said is that when she was writing the flashbacks the kind of the stuff with them as as children as younger people she um 
didn't reread those sections in the book. She wrote them as from she memory. remembered them oh. from reading. That's brilliant. Which is why they have that kind of sense, because, you know, because they're memory, right? Yeah. It, and she's written them like that. Well, it's with the so she's written them with nostalgia built in to That's her memory. That's amazing knowing hmm. that because it, I've, yeah. I'm about twelve. I'm about twelve chapters in the the book now, which is not that far in terms of the whole story. But from what I remember from the book, it is so spot on to yeah. what happens in the book. Like nearly word for word, some of their lines are are like spectacularly replicated. That's that's just kind of blown my mind a little bit. <laughs> well, she does the same thing as uh, we were saying about Butch Cassidy. She just they they just they take they're saying the exact same thing as in the book, but they're sped up and they do it naturally. They do it like <laughs> yeah. people. And I, so it just flies by. So I, I did, I did read the book when I was little. I say when read. you were a little woman. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I had a big, so I, um, I had a big tin of audio classics on audio. Right. Yeah. yeah. And little, and the full Little Women, both parts, both books together, was one of them. So I did it when. So and I'm, it's a, it's a weird, it's weird one talking about this. Is you know, obviously it's, it's a girl's film. It's a girl's film. It's a girl's book. But I didn't know that when I was little. So I just. Yeah. I just, you know, I just listened to the book. I, you know, I, I, because it was just the next one. So I didn't have any of that baggage that I think you're given as like, oh, you know, when you, I was at that age, I think when I was immune to that kind of thing, I think if I'd been a little bit older, oh yeah, I would have been like, you know, that sort of, oh, you know, you, you, you can't enjoy this. You can't enjoy that. You know what? It's like it's, me and Jacqueline Wilson yeah. when, I was, when I was a child. I read all, every single Jacqueline Wilson book, basically. All the, yeah. all the girly ones. And I didn't even realise that they were girly ones. Yeah, you know well, I mean? well, because, I mean, they're not, yeah, because they're not. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, well, when I was, you know, when I, I've been a X-Men fan my entire life. When I was little, my favorite, the X-Men that I wanted to be was Storm because um, she was the coolest Oh yeah, but like, and you know, each, and Monsters you, Ball is your favourite film. Well, <laughs> but you don't, you know, little, a little because little Halle Berry is in Monsters. Sorry, Karen. Yeah, but, you know, um, I, but I wanted to be her because she had cool weather controlling yeah. powers. Yeah, I yeah, of course. And, and I, she's got it, great hair as well. Well, yeah, and it didn't occur to me that obviously she's a black woman, so she's that's not the character I should be identifying with. She's the coolest character. So, and the same with Avengers. The character I wanted to be was Falcon because I had him as an action figure and he had wings and that. <laughs> so, I mean, and I think that that plays, you know, because a big part of the theme of this film is obviously the education of women, uh, you know, and how women are viewed on film, I'd say, for this as well. The, briefly in a nutshell, it's you know, the main, the, the main character and the one that we all want to be, Joe. <laughs> How good is Sasha Ronan? How yeah. good is oh, Sasha God. Ronan? I mean, fuck she, me. She Again. could she could act as a bin bag and yeah. still yeah. pull it out of the park. Like, and it's nice to see her in something having something to do. Yeah. Wes Anderson after <laughs> uh, the best the best exotic marigold hotel. No, what's it called? The Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say you, you got um, that so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. I just can't say that film properly. Um, yeah, she's she's just great. Apparently, she um, heard through that Greta Gerwig was doing Little Women, and she contacted oh, yes, Greta Gerwig and said, "I'm going to play Joe." Okay, <laughs> Greta Gerwig went okay, and so did Meryl Streep, not Joe. But yeah, she said, <laughs> "Sorry, it's already been taken." <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in your film. Um, and presumably, if Meryl Streep does that, you go, "Yeah, okay, oh, absolutely, <laughs> all right." 
<laughs> the cast. I mean, the whole yeah. cast. Florence Pugh. Florence yeah. Pugh. Pugh. Yeah. <gasps> How Goodness good is Florence me. Pugh? Midsummer, another film Midsummer. that was completely Again, snubbed. Oh, oh my, oh my god! I think I think Midsummer was the first movie as I saw um, Florence Pugh in, and I was uh, I was just, I was blown away by how oh god how gut wrenching her emotion was it was it was it was so hard to watch her be so vulnerable and hard and in and then in this she made amy like notably quite quite a villainous character i'd say in literature yeah she made amy likable and and relatable and that is i mean that's a credit to both the writing and the performance i think but wow like so good it, it's partly again it's part part of what's so clever about Greta Gerwig's adaptation is that because you in the book you meet her young when she's kind of bratty yes. so that's what you think of her and so that kind of colors all of your experiences with her but what Greta Gerwig does is you you meet her when she's an adult yeah and then you flash mm-hmm. back so you know where she's going and so you and also Florence Pugh just does the distinguishes between the two ages yes. just so it's incredible it's incredible to, yeah watch watch and learn robert de niro okay <laughs> that's <laughs> how you do an age transformation <laughs> exactly no digital help at all it's worth pointing out though there's no like age obviously they they wear their hair in different ways and they wear different clothes mm. but there's no like there's no digital age but you know exactly you can tell yeah, yeah. that huh, yeah. you, it's all in the acting Oh, and also none of the main characters are using that. None of the main four girls are using that. They're all doing accents as well. Yeah, accent work. There, there was a... Um, Gosh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. None of them there are American. Were, well, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, I was reading that there are these horrific... Uh, every year they do like Hollywood Reporter or websites like that do interviews with Oscar anonymous Oscar voters who say, this is what I voted for and why. And they're always... This, this year especially was... Just, horrific right and one of the things she said was and i don't i didn't like little women because i just thought it made it completely complicated for no reason and also (gasps) also i didn't like the fact that all of the all of the actors in i don't understand why four english women where, all where three of them, three of them were English. <laughs> Florence Pugh's doing her her real voice. There we go. That, I knew there no, was she's, one. She's, she's English. She, of course, she is. Yeah. Fucking yes, she is. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like that. They, I didn't like the four of them were English. One's go, Australian. Okay, so one's Irish. Well, yeah, <laughs> and one's Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but also, fuck off. <laughs> and she said she didn't want Sam Mendes to win dir- best director because it, she didn't want an Eng- English films win Baftas and American films should win Oscars and and. And she doesn't well, want one just... of the, the foreign... F- I mean, it's it's oh, horrific. I nearly Jesus. sent it over to you guys, but I, I didn't want you to have that much negativity in your life. So See, I um, knew I knew that there was a lot of um, criticism of this film because of the, of the story being told in non-chronological order. Um, and, yeah, the, the fact that it was all basically pre and post-Beth. And lots of people were saying how, um, oh, it was so confusing. I didn't understand the timeline. And I mean, I just, I don't buy that argument at all when you've got no. a film like The Irishman, <laughs> like you, you understood that timeline, but you didn't understand that you were watching the flashbacks through rose tinted glasses yeah. and yeah. the, like the up to date, the current, uh, the current film was in kind of more stark blue. When, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. how did that not, yeah, how did that not work? Bl- it literally the wallpaper changes between, it's blue, it's yeah. blue when, well, here's, um, the, okay, there's a take on this film, which, um, which is the one that I like, which is, I think, which 
It's so when we when we talked about Lord of the Rings, we were talking about how Peter Jackson did an ad- it made an adaptation of this film, which made the film better. Yeah, yeah I, totally. I do agree with that. There is a criticism of her of Greta Gerwig's um, take on this film, which I'll I'll get to because I do think it's interesting. But so, but the idea being uh, that all you know, like you were saying before, Alex, that all of the um, all of the past scenes all the scenes that are in kind of gold um gold and red and uh, rose tinted like you're saying have that's all the fictionalized version of so obviously joe march joe march is a kind of standing what's uh the author's name um uh, louisa may louisa. Oh, yeah yeah so she's she's sort of a stand-in character for her and the and so the the take of the of this film that you can watch is that all the kind of rose tinted stuff is fictionalized and it yeah. didn't happen like that. And it's just her, that that's her, that's her version that she's writing. And that's the book that gets published at the end. Cause it does at the end, it changes between at the beginning. It has the author's name on it. At the end, it has Joe's name on it, the book and also, and the whole, so at the end of the of spoilers for little women, the book, and the film Beth dies <laughs> no but at the end of the book she she basically meets this german bloke and then marries yeah. him and which nice. was a which was a publisher's note wasn't yeah it? which was a yeah. nice bow tied which up she didn't well, louise may Alcott was not it wasn't didn't well, want to do that, no. well so well the the take which greta gerwig is going with is if if she'd had if louis if she'd had her way that joe would have not married and that would have and it the it wouldn't have been the end yeah the so end is rose-tinted, rose isn't it? The, yeah. the, the, the mm. end of the house is, exactly. is rose-tinted. It's, it's colour-graded. The film switches at that point. So all that stuff... So obviously she meets... It's actually set up better that she meets Dr. Bear and, like, he kind of, you know, critiques her writing and then she storms off because it's difficult to have your writing critiqued. I really identified with her. <laughs> <laughs> As, um do you lay out each page of your manuscripts on on the floor and then and then? No, oh cause... god, that gave me anxiety. Yeah. That scene. <laughs> I was like, "What if you mess up?" I wish I. I mean, everything's digital now, and it's you can't have that kind of romance. You, you're told to print it out so you can like look at yeah. it. Anyway, well, when you did print it out, I threw it in the fire because yeah. you didn't let me go with a with you to a party, and, and our relationship's never been the same since. But when she when she meets him in those in the present day or the current scenes, it's still the kind of blue kind of reality yeah but the moment that he turns up at the house and there's obviously it's it's so much well, it's, it's, it's later than that isn't it it's 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 because i was paying i was paying attention to this when we watched it mm. it's not it's this it's not color graded when he's at the house or even when she, it's color graded when she meets him at the station when she chases yeah. after him when it's in but when that moment when she decides to go after him and it's in the rain and it's it's if you look at it through the lens of this is fiction that is a hundred. It's so. It feels so clear that that's. Oh yeah. That's the version she's writing for, and also, it feel it feels like obviously well, it's a. It cuts between the kind of them turning, um, their aunt's house into a school and this kind of paradise ending, yeah. and then it cuts between, the, uh, the her book having printed. her book printed, and you could you could view that as oh these are just two different events these are both the endings she has a book published and she starts at school, or. You can view it as all of that stuff, all the beautiful rosy ending, is in the book, and the real life ending is she is her getting her book and having it published is what she wanted, and it's sort of a more bittersweet ending. 
Yeah, I, I I hadn't noticed that before actually. That when she when Joe's running after him, um, and it's kind of it, it goes back to that color graded uh, sort of rosiness, um, and that same scene is kind of intercut with her having the meeting with the publisher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Say, yeah. and him saying, you know, this is the she deal, to, you know, and, and yeah. he's and she just goes done, and then I think yeah. that's literally where it cuts to her running out her, the carriage yeah. in the rain. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. I think that's the. I think that is what the film is. Well, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that all of the. I think the color graded stuff earlier is just flashback. Yeah. For me, for me, this is how I take it. I think that's what happened, but it's the. It's a kind of rose tinted, nostalgic look. Look at what happened. It might not have been that idyllic, possibly, but this is how they remember it. If you ask them. Yeah. And then she publishes the book, and the man, and but the man says, "Write the man in." So she says she went after him even though she didn't and then the house it depends what mood i'm in (laughs) it kind of doesn't matter i think but yeah yeah i i I personally don't really like i i I think it was a nice kind of tie up the the final scene where you know she walks through the house and you see sort of where the rest of her families are it is it's very nice uh whether i think it adds anything to the to the film i'm i'm not entirely sure i can I, i could probably take or leave that a little bit i think it would have been a, a quite a powerful ending if um it had just been her kind of clutching onto her book being that yeah. had just been freshly pressed I, I think that would have been a nice yeah. a nice ending but i yeah. understand why it, it had you know well, it had that scene it's both the ending in the book and the ending that in real life uh, that what um Greta Oog thinks that um louise may alcott would have wanted for yes, that character yeah. now there is an argument and people have said that um, actually that's a misunderstanding of the feminism in the book because there's there's that fantastic scene in the film which where she's talking when when she decides that actually she does want to be with Timothy Teddy. Tim, yeah Timothy Chalamet Timothy Theberman's character Timothy 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 Victorian boy yeah <laughs> guy maybe created a grudge for him because. He's he's pretty and and he's but he's also pretty in the way he's doing yeah. your shtick right yeah <laughs> but also I, <laughs> you're just jealous people are supposed to be attractive and yet this person is why can't I be I, but <laughs> but my argument against that is um, James Norton is in his film and I think he's a phenomenal actor so well, yeah but he's he's, he's like also classically hunky right yeah. he's he's like yeah, he's not Timothy Wheaton. Chalamet is hunky in a way that shouldn't be like we've yeah. been pale oh, and weird forever and he is not hunky no, he's, he's very he's, attractive he's, i'm sorry he's you he looks spindly. like you need yeah you look like you need to feed him <laughs> yeah. a lot of really good hearty yes. meals yes. but <laughs> i think also the, the, the reason the he's <laughs> you come away from this film thinking what a bastard is that he's he played yeah. i don't know if this is in Gretzko's vision of it, but I don't know if this is how he is in the book. But Laurie's a rosebud. Oh yeah, tosser. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't help that the only other film I've seen him in is Lady Birds. So. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Those, those two pillock. characters parallel each other so well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, the feminism. <laughs> the <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> so there's that scene where. Joe decides that she loves him and she's going to ask him. And there's that whole bit of she, her. She feels like she has to be independent and she has to be on her own and she can't be, you know, she can't just be someone's wife. And that's, she has the, you know, she's decided that this is the person she has to be is to renounce that and whatever, but she still wants it. And that's, ter- and that 
that kind of fight within her is a real struggle. She wants to fall in love and have all that, but she doesn't want to. But because that, but that's all that's expected of her, so she can't. And the and the argument is that in the original book, the book version where she does find love and she gets together with Doctor Bear, that is um, that is Louise. Uh, what's her middle name? Come on, May Louise May, May Alcott. That is her. Se- that is her answer. To- she may Alcott or she may not. Yeah, it's up to her. <laughs> but that's her saying. You you don't have to choose between one or the other. You're yes. still allowed to. Which I completely get. Do I still love this film to bits? Absolutely. So, but I want to. I feel like that's an important thing to say because I do think that there is a point to that. Yeah, um, that that feminist ideology is that you have to be either one or the other. You can't be both. Yeah. Um. That's like I've obviously in in a much different um uh a different extent, I guess. I have experienced that where you're like, oh, you know, if, if I'm a powerful, empowered woman of the 21st century, you know, then, then why do I need a man? Oh, but I can't want one though, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it is that hard kind of, um, I mean, I think it's less so now. I think people are, you know, far mm. more, you know, you can be both. You can be a feminist and still want a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, I think it's it's still a relevant thing, which which is interesting because this, this whole this whole story, not just the film, but the, the story itself, it was it's set in the American Civil War, and yet it's it's so relatable to now. We yeah. can we can still relate to these to these characters. Yeah, completely. well, that's why the completely the books still you know that's why it's still popular. I think and it's it's beloved. It's, it's timeless, yeah. and like I I relate to it a lot because I'm I'm a um I'm a girl of four. So yeah. like I, oh, really? I have grown up. I, I didn't, yeah, I which, yeah. Which one are you in the four? So I'm I'm second youngest. So I'm I'm technically so you're Beth. Joe. Yeah. Oh. No, oh, no, 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 no. So no, second no. youngest, not second oldest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, I'm, you're Beth. I'm technically Beth. But that doesn't bode well. Although, I I relate so much as well. to, to Joe and and Amy. I, yeah. I feel like there's a there's such a battle there between the two of them. And I feel like I'm kind of both. And Poor Meg, I, she's so boring. <laughs> I mean, oh, she is though, but she's but she's written that way, yeah. Which is, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a fault of the portrayal or anything. No. Whilst well, I, I think I, I, em, I, she's great in it. Emma, yeah, Emma, Emma Watson's, Watson's Emma Watson's accent is maybe a little That's, bit dodgy. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Like a couple of the vowels. The weakest that, that of the aside, four, isn't it? But yeah, that aside, I feel like yeah, she's just the character that that isn't given enough. Really, yeah. like she gets married, and and that's kind of. It. She does what is expected of her. She, yes. She's the one who kind of goes through the formula and marries James Norton. But then she's also not her. really given much of a choice because she's the eldest, and maybe yeah. that's quite true as of of being the eldest of, of being the eldest sibling of, of four girls. Maybe you are kind of expected to set the precedent, I guess, for mm. the rest of them, or or at least be be the one that um uh follows follows exactly what your parents want you to do. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, you've just reminded me of the what the one. It's not really a problem at all, and I don't mind. But the, the, my stumbling block with this film is that so so. Bear, so it, the age wise, it goes Meg Emma Watson mm-hmm. is the oldest. Yes. Then Saoirse Ronan, Joe. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Meg, uh, not Meg. We've done her. Beth. Yes. Eliza Scanlon. Mm-hmm. Avril. Um, <laughs> Although you're very healthy, so that's good. Um, I hope. 
and and then Amy Florence Pugh, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, obviously, of the four actors, Eliza Scanlon is the youngest. Um, let's just take a minute to say she is so good in mm-hmm. the film that should have been nominated this year for Best Picture and wasn't. And if anyone hasn't seen it, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Baby Teeth. Baby Teeth. Is oh, God, it's so oh. good. It's, it's, it's stunning. Oh. Oh. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn's moustache. Those, those noises else. were very pornographic, guys. <laughs> I mean, I apologise oh. in episode one for the noises. And yeah, I, and that, it's that's so that. good. Oh god, it's what a film. <laughs> but it's it, we're going to talk about Parasite later, and it. But Baby Teeth is the same as that. Going in without knowing anything about it, like yeah. I did. All Jonah had seen, so I'd heard a bit of things about it, and I was like, we were in Bristol at the time, and I said, Jonah, mm. we should go and see this thing. Uh, this film and Jenny didn't know but what I showed him was this I can't find it again it's really annoying but this edited clip of every time Ben Mendelsohn in an interview had said how much he loved baby teeth and it's it's just like three <laughs> minutes of him going no nah, baby teeth yeah I love it it's really good I'm really proud it's the best film I've done it's like <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn do you like baby teeth oh it's such a good film it's such a good film and that was all you need to want to watch that film um yeah, it's uh, phenomenal. Won everything at the Actors, which are the Australian Academy, uh, the Australian Awards. So that's good. It's a play adaptation um, as well, isn't it? You can tell, but it's yeah, but but one of the best play adaptations mm. I've ever. Seen. I mean, it's so cinematic. Yeah, while still being waft anyway. It's but yeah. Eliza Scanlon, who's great in that. Yeah, <laughs> also great in this film, but is phenomenal. Yeah, she is teeth. great in this film, but she Beth has slightly less to to do. Yeah, um, than the others, and but she's. She is the youngest of the four actors, which isn't necessarily a problem, but she seems so much younger than Florence Pugh that I, I didn't, because yeah. I don't know the book, I still to this, I only found out she wasn't the youngest like a week ago when we watched I, it again. I also had the same thing. I had no idea that Amy was supposed to be the younger sister um, until I started reading the book. I was like, oh, okay. That almost makes a lot less sense because if you had Joe and Amy in, in similar age, and they were fighting a lot. That yeah, would exactly. make so much sense because I I used to fight quite a bit with the sister that's just older than than me when I was younger. Um, and so you know it would it would parallel the relationship between Joe and Amy a lot more. Um, even though that Amy does kind of act like the spoiled brat of the family, which is usually like the kind of uh, the stereotypical um, younger younger child syndrome sort of thing, I guess. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I I fully expected her to be uh, to be older than Beth, and just that not knowing, not having a grasp on that, I think is is, is the one thing I that sticks with me. And it's weird, it's because mm. Eliza Scanlon is not only younger than all the others, but it looks a lot. She just seems a lot younger than them. Yeah. Um, but the other the other the other argument to that, just to, to contradict <laughs> myself, is that she never gets old. Yeah. So actually, yes. and I guess that's yes. probably why you do so. So to have her be younger than the others makes sense, partly because the others have to play them as adults and as children, but also because, like in our memory, Beth is yeah younger. She's, yeah, than, she's young. she never gets a chance to be older, whereas the others do. So, like so Pan, I've, do you know what I've just yeah oh. genius, fine casting, great. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I think um, I think it was really like going back to Florence Pugh. Um, uh, I, I think her her portrayal was like really quite uh, quite nuanced and everything. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it spoke levels to um, the adaptation and, and the screenplay in this to give her the moment of of redemption um, 
and and let us know why she's she is kind of the way she is like that scene that she has with um with Laurie where she's uh she's doing the painting and they're talking about marriage being this economic proposition um I know for a fact that that wasn't ever in the book actually like I I know I have to do what I have to do to make my way in this world and you men don't really understand that and I I just that hit home to me so much like watching that scene because I was like wow like that's so that's so important for her character to she's she's the youngest yet she's so aware of of the fact that her family kind of rely on her quite a lot to be the one that marries well and uh have this place in high society but um her aunt march kind of expects her to and i just um and then the scene where she she gets kind of gets her heart broken uh by laurie and she does that thing where she, she you know she's she's drawing him and then she just drops him she's like i i can't hear you do this well i've spent my entire life loving you and i just oh, oh, yeah. oh. god it broke my heart oh yeah. it's just it was so powerful yeah. that's quite hard to watch but also because of that we get that fantastic scene with joe so i think mm. for that i think it's worth it where she goes it, to deliver yeah. the letter yeah yeah oh oh it's making me feel things it's quite a good film isn't it <laughs> it's, quite yeah, good. it's all right it's, it's all right i bet yeah yeah very good oh actually i said i was gonna say this for everyone i don't love the splat score but you know it's good it's good no that's not true i do i don't it's it's a good score. It's a very good score. It's not my favourite score of the year, but it's a good score. No, it's I, 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 it's kind of fun. I don't, I don't love Desplat stuff really. Alexander Desplat. The same way that I, you said with um with Hans Zimmer, like you can kind of tell when it's a Hans Zimmer um yeah. score. I can tell the same thing with him. Like I, I, I'm, I have a very good ear at knowing when it's him because uh, he did one of the Harry Potters. <laughs> oh, of course he did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he, he did. did uh, yeah. The Imitation Game as well. Like it's very, it's very piano based. And I think being a pianist myself, I I hear that and it and it kind of it pleases me. So I I quite like the score. Um, it not it's not the most um, kind of captivating thing. He's not a king, though, is he? He's a... <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry, not exactly a Kino. <laughs> Um, no, it's it's it, it, to be honest. I think my, I think here's my problem with this plot. I don't notice his scores. Weirdly, you just said that you always know when it's him. I don't really when it's when it is him. I don't tend to pick him pick him out. Whereas, but again, yeah, I I think I think it's just because that's kind of like the music that I I, I grew up having to sort of learn on the piano. It's of course, yeah, not, yeah, obviously yeah. not his stuff, you know, explicitly. But that kind of like romantic, uh, like lyrical kind of uh, pianist uh, music is just. Yeah, I, I just think it's really beautiful. It's, yeah, it's not the most captivating part of this film, but I don't think it's meant to be either. I think it's just yeah, quite, no, a, nice, yeah, it's quite a nice addition. Well, Little Women features a lot of scenes. As we were talking about there's a lot of ways to view this film as being maybe not in t- different perceptions of reality, right? We don't necessarily know that what we're seeing in the past actually happened. And a film that does a very similar thing <laughs> nice. is, is Joker. Um, yeah. Or I'll t- tell you what, because I've just thought of an even better one. Let me do another segue. <laughs> <laughs> so The Irishman felt like a bad karaoke version of a Martin Scorsese film. 
Shall we talk about another film that feels like a bad sketch? Do you know what? Three films this year felt like they were trying to feel a little bit like they were directed by Martin Scorsese. And I would say one of them does it brilliantly and adds a lot more to what it would have been if Martin Scorsese had made that film. And that film is Hustlers. I think Hustlers <laughs> is the best Martin Scorsese film out that year. But yes, Joker. 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 Um, Joker. Joker. I have one, this one, one huge problem I have with this film that I, maybe I'll... Do you know what? I'm going to get it out of the way. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, go for it. Air um, grievances. Joker is about the Joker. Well, or is it? It's about a man being let down by the system. It's about mental health. It's about you know, it's sort of set in the 80s. It's sort of taxi driver meets king of comedy meets Batman, basically, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, Todd Phillips directed it, wrote it. Yes. Uh, my huge problem... Okay, we're going to start with a spoiler. <laughs> Okay, spoiler. The, 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 so halfway through the film, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, kills a couple of people on the subway, right? Because yeah. they're... Yeah. It's quite, they're, they're before, it's quite early on, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's that's quite early, yeah. That's not a, it's not a huge spoiler. spoiler. It's He's not as Joker, much a spoiler as him killing Robert De Niro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I need to stop doing that. It's not funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, it's he, all a joke. Yeah, he kills these people in the subway because they're teasing him. Yeah. And he's dressed as a clown, yeah. okay? And they start singing these fr- these kind of, these laddie kind of city banker wankers. See him dressed as a clown. And to mock him, one of them starts singing Send in the Clowns by our good friend, Stephen Sondheim. Now, can you tell me what the problem is with that? Uh, are, you, are you talking about in context with the scene, you mean? No, no, well, okay. Here's There's a problem. logistical problem. Could you, yeah. Right, Could you, okay. Uh, so, so, Avril. You've said that you're not you're not, not well your knowledge of on, on yeah you're not well versed no. in sometime but you you have quite a keen interest in musical theatre right yes how do they know all of the words <laughs> these are city banker wankers yeah and they actually. know every word to send in the clowns by Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> now this film is set in the 1980s so it's not even been out that long it wasn't you know like, it's not like a mega hit it's it's not you know it's not the deepest of cuts of Sondheim I, but it's not you know I never would have thought about that <laughs> i never would have had that takeaway so from the film it's just, it just takes me out of it every time I maybe it tells you a lot but i just do not understand how those guys know you know cokehead bankers who are kind of really leery and laddish and horrible how do they even if they have seen a little night music even if they go to see sometime Start or buy Sondheim records, which I kind of doubt. I just don't understand how they know all the words, but they see him dressed as a clown and they think, this is what it's all been gearing for. And he gets <laughs> all the words right. He just sings the whole verse. See, if it was if it was set now, then maybe, m- maybe ever so slightly more believable. Well, is it a better scene if he's being attacked by musical <laughs> theatre students? Oh yeah, yeah. my god! I, and the I whole would, city I goes would crazy. pay for that. I would so yeah. pay for that. <laughs> Underneath their clothes, they're in leotards because they've just come back from practice. <laughs> yeah, the city, the uh, the banker wanker kind of uh, facade is is just protection, really. Because if they were theatre yeah. kids, they they'd be they'd be attacked left, right, <laughs> and centre. <laughs> I mean, actually, in Gotham, you know, all criminals are versed in theatre. They're all it's all a performance. That's true. Yeah. Maybe maybe one of them is Basil Carlo. Yeah. Um who, who who that's a fucking genius. That's 
Basil Carlo is the. I can't believe I just did that. I'm not even a comic book guy. Oh my god! What a reference to make. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Basil Carlo was a was a derided actor working in Gotham who uh, was famous for playing a a guy called Clayface in a kind of old B movie horror movie. And he's down on his luck. So what he does is he they he learns that they're remaking Clayface with a younger actor, and he gets so angry that he uses his old costume to do crime as Clayface and he's the first one of the yeah but he's the first Clayface he's the he was the first one he's like not the one the Clayface people anyways (laughs) (laughs) not not much can I like (laughs) Batman is the only one I kind of know at all that's all I have to say about Joker to be honest the subway that's it that's it that's all I have to say I have a big turmoil in me with this film as a as a massive nerd, what, I both your... love it and d- d- c- and really struggle with it. Should, should we should we start with the perspective of 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 with with Avril who who yeah uh, I, well I'm kind of indifferent to this film so I'm not going to have much to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, and I'm I'm interested in hearing. Well, I don't really know what you think of this, Av, actually, at all. And well, and and jo- Jonah's love of the comic books is is slightly scary, to be honest. The level of it of it gets. So I think he'll have a very different take, uh, possibly. So I'm interested to hear you as the. Uh, I, well, I I don't know your I don't know how into comics you are, but well, no, I'm um, I'm not massively into comics. I love I love superhero movies. The Dark Knight is actually like one of my favorite films. Because um, it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. You, yeah. you don't have to be a, a ser- superhero fan to, to love that film. It's basically heat with makeup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if they both had blusher on? Like <laughs> I, I think that about every every movie. That's why it's heat. <laughs> Everyone every need, just needs a little bit of blush. Yeah. Um but yeah. yeah, so like when I when I heard that they were making this this movie I was like, oh my god, we're gonna get a Joker origin story. But it's it's just not that at all. Like it's it's really not. It's taking the idea of what Joker is or or, or could be and just just putting it into like kind of a real life perspective without having uh the, the superhero kind of gimmick against it. And it's it's just like a real life story and I'd heard like quite a lot of bad stuff about this film before seeing it. I know that there was quite a lot of uh, negativity around its portrayal of like mental health, particularly men's mental health, and um, kind of kind of making making it out that anybody who suffers from uh, you know kind of more more on the psychosis side of things, people who suffer from those uh, more niche, I guess, uh, mental illnesses are to be feared by society and. Uh, this kind of this this kind of gives license to the people who feel under, misunderstood by society and, and the misfits of the world. It gives them license to be angry and kind of rebel. Um, and honestly, when I came out of the cinema, I I fully expected to kind of see like riots on the street and stuff, no. and see like chaos. I mean, you only like, had to wait a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was not far off. Yeah. But yeah, I think I just I just kind of got swept away with the story, and I was I I completely understand why people don't like this film. Like I I get it completely. Um, I guess I'm just not so sensitive to that kind of um, to that kind of topic, that subject matter. Um, but I I really enjoyed this film. I think it's I think it's class. 
It's got amazing performances in it. I think it's very cleverly written. Um, you, you don't have to be into superheroes to understand the context of uh, to understand the context of the story. But I think if you do, if if you are if you are into superheroes, I think you get nice little nods every so often into the storyline and. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this film. I, I think Joaquin Phoenix did an absolutely stellar job of this uh, portrayal. Um, yeah, yeah. What did you guys think? I'm, I'm going to start actually by saying I heard this. So do you know how this film came about? I don't. So Todd Phillips, who uh, is the genius auteur behind such films as the Hangover trilogy and uh, and Road Trip. Is it called Road Trip? And the Starsky and Hutch remake. <laughs> um, oh, no. And uh, and he was a story writer on Borat. Blimey. Right, um, okay. So he's got his, uh, his, his feet like, heavily dipped into comedy then, which is quite interesting. Oh, yeah. His, his Oscar was inevitable. Um, his Oscar, but he's not actually got an Oscar, so I don't know why I said that. But The Oscar nom. There we go. The Oscar nom, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was inevitable. Um, so Todd Phillips has been kind of gearing into doing more serious films. He, he didn't help himself. He said that horrific, well, it's not horrific, but it's just a stupid thing. Uh, when Joker came out, he said, well, you can't really do comedy anymore in this woke society. You can't, oh, men can't God. be funny anymore in this woke society. And you go, yeah, all right, mate. Um, <laughs> and he thought, tell you what, I really want to do a film like Taxi Driver. I want to do a film kind of set in the 70s, 80s about a man on the edge. How do I get that film made? And he looked at what was going about, you know, in popular culture, and he thought, if I pin it to a superhero property, I can get it made. I can make my gritty Scorsese film and, and kind of cynically get it made as a superhero film and do a superhero film for people who don't really like superhero films. And he pitched it to Warner Brothers. And they were like, yeah, all right. Um, and so it came very much from him, which surprised me, which, I, which I'm surprised at. It wasn't a studio going, we need something. We need something R-rated and weird. And, you know, it was him going, yeah, let's do this. Uh, and I think it's, it's so, hey, the cinematography is great, right? It's gorgeous. Mm. It just looks stunning. And the Wacken Phoenix is great. Hilda Goodenjidji uh, composes the music for it. And Goodendottier, wouldn't it be? Goodendottier, Goodendottier. We're not good at this. <laughs> uh, composed the music and it's a really good score. Really uh, good. Yeah, she's a very talented fantastic. composer. Yeah, she's amazing. To the point where a lot of it was played on the set when he's dancing. He only, oh, yeah. that, that was, that's not in the script. So he no, danced after improv, he shoots yeah, the Sondheim yeah. fans. He throws his gun in the, away and he, in the script, he runs into the loo. He throws up. He looks at himself in the mirror and then you cut to the next one. Right? And Reckon Phoenix looked at this and went, eh, we can do better than that. And then they played in the music and he danced. And it's just, <laughs> right? It's amazing. So I've, I've, you know, and so much of it, I think, came from Reckon Phoenix and not Todd Phillips's script. They obviously worked together on it, but it's nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I've, that feels weird to me because so much of what made it brilliant was... was not well, the at, at the Oscars, they, <laughs> they played the bathroom bit and you're like that wasn't oh, in the that's script interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how 
wasn't in the script. That was yeah, the bit you were giving Yeah, how can you nominate anyone... it for the bit that it yeah, wasn't exactly. actually in there? <laughs> but also, exactly. what, what specifically is it adapted from? Is it well, saying it's adapted thing. from mm. comics in general? Because there it's is a because... graphic novel called Joker. Yeah. Which is nothing well, like it's, this. It's called, it's, it's adapted because he's an existing character. It's yeah. like how Borat this year, Borat 2, is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Because Borat has appeared in other stuff. I in, think that can be a very, very strange, um, like, uh, nominated car- category, really. Because, like, you, you've got, like, original screenplay, haven't you? And then you've got adapted screenplay. I I don't know. I, I, I feel like having those two things separated is a little bit, a little bit wrong. Cause... Well, I can tell you that throughout Oscar history, the titles of those categories have changed a lot. <laughs> And some of them are but like at the at first, originally, you it wasn't called best original, it wasn't called best adapted screenplay, it was called best story. And so you could get nominated for best original screenplay. And there, on, let me let me fact check this. There was a film called Disraeli, which was nominated for best original screenplay and best adapted screenplay, because it was based on a real person, but it wasn't based on any book. <laughs> and so it's it's been a bit of a mess really yeah um, uh the category let me just pull up what it used to be called um and so ostensibly they have been around since the beginning of the oscars but um uh own oh, no, writing achievement oh maybe i've got that wrong it's all a bit i i anyway let's do you know what that i yeah, don't think that bes- was true besides so the point let's, let's, yeah that's beside the point but um I think I think it's a good film. I for me it's not one of the ones that should have been on this list. I I I kind of I get why it is. I think it has some really interesting stuff to say. Mm. I really do. And I think it's even because because it's kind of really cleverly not like you say it's not this guy's the joker, right? It's he's he's just a bloke and he might he's kind of jokerish and if you want him to be the joker he absolutely can be. And if he's not the Joker, then that's if you can't have him be the Joker because he'd be quite old when Batman. Yeah, you know, that's could. that's interesting. So, I, I feel like you were left with with a, quite a lot of questions with that with that yeah. film. Like was to the point of I mean, how much of it is real? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Th- there's a reading of is, this film where none whole, of it happens. Yeah, the whole film is it actually real or is it all just happening inside his head in the psych ward that you see him at the end of the movie? And I I quite liked this. Um, the idea that uh, Arthur Fleck is not actually the Joker. He's just somebody who has... Uh, he's hes not mentally very well and he decides that he's going to stand up for kind of the misfits of Gotham City. And um, I think that the Joker, if, if you want to put it into the context of the Batman superhero universe, then um, the Joker could be somebody in the crowd uh, in the riots at the end, who's been inspired by um, Arthur, or it could be a kid sitting at home watching it all happen on the TV, yeah, exactly, and it's like yeah. I'm I'm inspired by him in in a really sordid way. Um, well, that's um, I don't know if you uh, if you've seen um, Gotham series that came out, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, I the- I had I had watched a couple of seasons of it. Yeah, because um, they had a problem in that obviously they wanted to 
have some nods to the Joker, but they weren't allowed. They didn't to have use... the rights. Did no, they? they weren't allowed to use the character of the Joker because obviously it was being saved to be used in in, in a films movie of some and kind. other. Yeah. Me- yeah. We, yeah. we only want the Joker in films where Batman is Batman and grown up. <laughs> so, but, so, so, so they must be feeling pretty stupid now. But they. Um, <laughs> So, but so the direction they go, they go in the same the same direction as that is they, they say well they have a character well originally there's just an episode where there's this kid who and uh, just and at the end he just breaks into this kind of grin and this laugh and and his that sequence is for that yeah. scene is he just does every, basically what? he does every Joker actor doesn't he he does yeah. a bit of Heath Ledger <laughs> a bit of Nicholson a bit of Cesar Romero the best one well, um, he, well it's, uh, so. The actor's name is uh, Cameron, Cameron Monaghan. Monaghan. Cameron Monaghan. And the, the problem they have is, so he's just meant to be like, a, it's, they never say it's the Joker, it's just meant to be a little moment, but he does such a fantastic <laughs> job that he's, that he's put, like he has one second and he's probably the best on screen Joker, or, or one of the best on screen. He just, and yeah, actually right. I think... Wow. Heath Ledger has some words. Oh no, I can't <laughs> He's but rolling I in think, his grave. <laughs> He does such a fantastic job, but the problem is they can't use the Joker, so they do the and it doesn't work in that series because he is so obviously the Joker. Right. Whereas actually, that, as you're saying, that theory totally the same theory totally works. He's just like he's the inspiration behind the Joker, mm. or the Joker is this idea which is just like the spirit of madness in Gotham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um I think it's really ironic actually um about what you said, Alex. How uh, Todd Phillips said you can't make a comedy movie anymore in like this woke society, right? I think it's really ironic that he goes and makes this movie about a mentally ill person trying to like make it in comedy. And yeah, he, yeah, en- he yeah. ends up making very kind of, you know, risque, dark, borderline offensive jokes at like this comedy night that he goes to and then thinks it's hilarious to shoot somebody on live TV. I I just think like, do you reckon that's kind of his? Do you reckon that's Todd Phillips' way yeah. of kind Todd of like is... you know putting a middle finger up to the people who are saying that you can't do comedy or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's something in that. You know, probably. I I, I think it's definitely you don't go from making comedy movies to making a film about someone having so much trouble in comedy mm. and it be a coincidence, do you? Well, and I, also it's I quite a like... leap, isn't it, from going and making the Hangover trilogy to then going, I'm going to make a film about yeah, the yeah. joker who is this mentally but, ill person like it's it's a it's a stretch isn't it you say that because hangover three or hangover one and two are obviously comedies but hangover three is actually a thriller um but so i think this has been coming for a while not that i've seen hangover three but i you know as far as i understand it's kind of not it didn't do very well because it wasn't funny because it wasn't trying to be right it's, it's a thriller and uh, and then he did that film war dogs with uh miles teller and uh jonah hill as arms dealers uh which was yeah, yeah fine I, again haven't seen it so i can't can't comment really um so this has been coming for a while i think he's kind of been maneuvering himself away from comedy and 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 yeah i think i would like to talk about the comedy in this film because the thing that so Okay, Jonah knows all of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just roll your eyes until I'm finished. Um, we see two other comedy comedians do sets in this film. Mm. And they, I, I don't know if you're familiar with either comedian. There's the guy on the telly before Joker does his routine. Yeah. And he does a joke about, um, bit, he, he says, 
he does the routine about how by if you're a bloke sex is like parking a if you're a woman sex is like buying a car and going okay is this safe will this kill me um you know that that routine yeah 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 and um that guy is a comedian called sam morell who is whose name he actually his name is in the film the guy comparing goes sam morell um and he's just amazing. He's great. He's one of my favourite American comedians. Oh, I don't think I've um, heard of him. I re- he, his, a lot of his specials are just on YouTube in full at the oh, moment. Right, okay. I would really recommend you check him out. He's so good. He's kind of, the, he's got the pace of a one-liner comic, but he's not. It's really, it's really clever stuff. His gag to gag rate is stunning. <laughs> it's, he's so quick. It's just laugh every, it's so impressive. And he's fantastic. And then the other comedian you see is um, so when when the Joker goes to see some comedy and everyone's laughing in the right places and he's not, he's yeah. laughing in the wrong places. Ha! Ah, you know, um, that's my working Phoenix is Joker impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very really good. It's why I wasn't asked. Um, uh, and that comedian is doing is, is Gary Goldman, who I love. He's he's again he's. My two favorite American comedians. Well, and then the guy playing Robert De Niro's assistant is Mark Maron, who's yeah. another of my yeah. favorite, Gosh, my three yes. favorite American male comedians. Genius. I, but- I had only just finished um, Glow a couple of months ago. Oh, of course. And, oh, like I'd, I'd never seen him in anything, and I was I was like obsessed with him afterwards. I was. Yeah, yeah. I just I found him so. Oh, I was just enamored by him. Like I can't I can't tell you why, but. Yeah, he's what yeah. he's so he's magnetic. Yeah, yeah. In the, the mustache does things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you have you seen any of his stand up shows? No, I haven't. Couple, no, like a good, I think three of them are on Netflix, and they're fantastic. He sits down, he doesn't stand up, mm-hmm. and there, there's that's there, so he him, opens, isn't it? <laughs> there, well, yeah, exactly. There's one. There's one where it where it opens where he he, he does this whole thing about. He does this routine about not wanting to watch documentaries because he doesn't know how long he's got left. <laughs> he says, oh my God. And you think, I don't want to go watching it. I don't want to go. I don't know what I'm going to go. And it's, yeah, I really, I really uh, recommend he is, He's fantastic. He's brilliant. And so, him, so check out his stand up, check out Sam Morel, and check out Gary Goldman, who is, he, have you seen the, he did a bit that went around the internet for a bit about state abbreviations. Um, um, I'm uh, not sure I'm familiar. No. Uh, again, it's a fantastic routine. About, have you seen this, Jen? Of course you have. Um, uh, I think so. And he says, yeah. I've been watching this documentary, which is completely fake. It's not a real documentary. About the guys who abbreviated yeah. all of the states to two letters. <laughs> um, and he talks about how much... Oh, it's just... He's got this... But his, the other routine that you can kind of find readily on YouTube that I just think is one of the best stand-up routines going at the moment is this thing about, is the one he does in Joker and is the thing about role play um, with his girlfriend. Mm. And he, and, and it, you can't, you don't really, you don't get the scope of how brilliant it is in the film, but he get, basically, he just, he's explaining the situation, but he goes into so much, so much micro level detail about the, the clothes. He's, he's a new England professor and he's, and his girlfriend wants to get ahead in class and she needs extra credit. And he's like, sure, you can write me a paper. Uh, you can write me a paper. And she's like, no, no, I don't think you understand. I do anything for extra credit. And he's like, oh, I don't think you understand because a, a paper is part of anything. All, all 
I need you to do is just write, you know, five thousand words on the industrial revolution or an equally broad topic of your choice, and um, and you know, and at the end she says, <laughs> the end she says, are you gonna, are we gonna have sex tonight? And he says, she broke character. I was, I was furious. I realized I didn't want her to have, I didn't want to have sex with her. I wanted her to buck her ideas up and stop wasting her parents' money. Um, it's just, it's just that I have not done it justice. Um, he's fantastic. And so that, those three guys being in this film does a lot to make me feel better about this film. Um, I spent too long talking about them, but that, that they're my favourite bits of. of so, what, of, like, what what were your grievances with this? Because it sounds like like both of you aren't, aren't particularly like like fussed about. I, I'm. I'll go first because it's got my grievances. Are, I don't. I because I actually watching it again. I, I was surprised by how much fun I, it, it is. Quite a fun film, despite being quite twisted and weird. It's quite. It's a good watch, mm. right? If I have any grievances, it's that I don't think it's doing anything new. And I think it's, yeah, I think, I think that's it, bad. I think it thinks it's much more clever and deep and important than it is. Mm. And yeah, I, I, kind, kind of, I kind of got that sort of pretentious air about it when I was watching it. I was like, is this, yeah. Mm, and I, I don't know. And I think everything Todd Phillips has said about it doesn't make me like it more. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, I think Joaquin Phoenix is great in it, but I think it's a very, he's great in quite an obvious way. And I think he's mm. been better in in other films i think i think it's a i think it's a completely average film anchored by a fantastic central performance that's what i think yeah basically yeah i i, I think you've yeah you've got it quite spot on there i think well and there's a bit where we see bruce wayne for the first time young bruce wayne and he slides down a pole like adam west <laughs> yeah. does in the 60s batman series and that is the best thing in the film i i think that is fucking genius i love it we I don't hadn't need to even see Batman. That. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's amazing. It, and he he goes down the pole like Adam West, and and at that point you go, yeah, all right. But <laughs> but uh, big spoiler. We don't need to see Bruce Wayne's parents get shot again. No, <laughs> just <laughs> have, I mean, <laughs> just have the guy turn and follow them down the yeah, alley. Exactly. We just get it. That would yeah. be enough. I was yeah. going to say that would have been so much more powerful than actually seeing it happen. Just because yeah. you know, you know, everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's that's my feeling. I, I, to be honest, I think I. It's not that I don't think it's good. I just think it's not as good as it thinks it is. Mm. That's yeah. basically yeah, yeah, yeah. my problem. And yeah. I think it like the Oscar. If if Oscar is going to give awards to kind of genre pieces and go, you know what? It, I just think this is that's what it wanted. It's like they fell for the trick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's very Oscar baity, isn't it? If you're gonna give an award, if you're gonna give a best picture nomination to an Oscar to a superhero movie, that's kind of actually dark and more about real world consequences than give it to logan, logan. Don't give it to this <laughs> yeah if you're gonna give a kind of uh dark mental a, a picture of a um a man struggling with his decisions give it to uncut gems again <laughs> say that yeah. you know like i just think i just think that's not the film to give it to you yeah. basically yeah. Mm. but i think it's a fine film but mm. all the the amount of people going i'm not gonna give uh greta gerwig uh, best director nomination for Little Women, but I'll give one to Todd Phillips. Todd, yeah. Fi- really? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so that's my feeling. Jonah yeah. has a lot more to say. I think <laughs> probably. Um, I think I agree with most of what you're just saying, Alex. I think, uh, I think it's a it's an all right film, but it's I think it's gonna last in the memory because of a Joaquin Phoenix's performance and yeah, day. Totally. I, think, I think there's a lot of great iconic images 
in this film. Yeah, it's beautifully yes, shot. It's yes. beautifully yes. shot. Well, Lawrence, Lawrence Scher is the cinematographer, I think should get him and Joaquin well, Phoenix should get more of the credit it, for exactly. the bits in this film. That are, Todd think, Phillips is not the reason this film is good, yeah. right? No, but I think I think I have the same problem. The same problem I have with this film is this, is what I had with like Justice League or well, not Justice League, more Batman v Superman because <laughs> Batman v Superman works more as a film. Is that there are lots of sequences in this film which are fantastic and brilliant, but strung together they don't quite work. However, I think do I like this film as a film about the Joker? No. Do I like this film as a film about Donald Trump? A hundred percent. I think. I think if actually if th- this film coming out when it did, this film being about a man dressed as a clown who taps into this kind of angry kind of um, zeitgeist in in this city, and kind of and and kind of brings the madness to riot like we were like we were saying like months after this happened how crazy you know they're talking about how there's lines in this form of the world seems crazy don't, don't you think the world seems crazier than it than it used to i mean mm. i'm sure people have been saying that for thousands of years but doesn't you know it's i think re re-watching this film actually after seeing scenes of people you know writing in the capitol building or people people protesting out in the streets it did have a different flavor to it yeah um so i i i actually I do really like this film and I really enjoy watching it and and but it kind of annoys me that I really like this film <laughs> because it's a really bad comic book film because yeah. I I don't like I I mean I like Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker but I do not like Arthur Fleck as because it, he the Joker has no if you're going to make it about the Joker the character he Arthur Fleck has no plan or no he's not he's you know, he, there's no mastermind behind this. He's he's just a guy, you know, stumbling through these scenes, and that you know that works if he's the guy who inspires the Joker. Talking about Joker portrayals and talking about the Dark Knight, I we, me and Alex were having a conversation when we watched this about the the best adaptations of the Joker, and I well and yes, I, and I said I think Heath Ledger. He yeah, Heath Ledger's stunning in it, but he? he's just great. The reason is, and the reason, I, and this part of this might be my opinion, and I might get Batman fans writing in if you do please do it's good to know you're here um, but i think my what basil the, carlo hey eh? eh? yeah hey i think basil carlo i think when for the he, batman fans that is a eh? hey. i think that i think the dark knight understands the joker in the comics the best that i've seen on screen he is not an in, he's not insane he's not crazy that man is a hundred percent sane and a hundred and one of the most intelligent men out there but he still dresses up as a clown and does all these things and that's more frightening to me than a crazy man doing yes, it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I suppose well, to counter myself, actually, I think I think this, what this film I think this film does itself a disservice by kind of hinting that he's doing this out of insanity for two reasons. One, as you meant, as you mentioned earlier, it kind of it's not a great it's not a great portrayal of mental health because, like, you know, the, I can't remember what the percentage is of of men, You know, it's 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 really rare for people with mental health problems to to resort to violence and the and me and media is is the main you know the one that is the media is what peddles that idea that insane people but the batman franchise as a whole probably has a lot to answer for in terms of <laughs> the idea of insane people um becoming criminals and and killing yeah, people i mean the man dresses up as a bat i mean well, well, yeah. something's I mean, not quite right there <laughs> 
But um, <laughs> let's go nuts. Let's get nuts. There's a, I think there's a difference as well between is Arthur Fleck psychotic or is he suffering from psychopathy? Because I don't think I don't think it's ever um, presented in the film that he necessarily the relationship with the woman oh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, down the hall Zay- from him. Zay-Z yes, Beats. yes. Yeah. What a Zay-Z name! Beats. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> this is a spoiler for the film. It turns out that that wasn't real. It was all well fabricated. If, and, yeah, in his own mind. It's all in his head. Yeah. But I don't think I. And I think I, this might be me reading. Really, I don't think he ever was convinced it was. I think that was all just a fantasy he was making up. So he's not, um, say, schizophrenic in the sense that he's believe he's seeing things that he believes to be real. I think mm. he's imagining these things. The same as when he's imagining himself on the talk show with Robert De Niro. I don't think the film is clear enough with what his mental health is. And I think if it was, it would be better because I think what he's doing is he's he's struggling to relate, to communicate and relate to people in the real world. He's not hallucinating things i think his problem is a, is a social one and what drives him to um dress up as the joker and shoot robert de niro on tv is not madness but f- like frustration with being invisible you know being invisible being ignored i think the way that the way the film lays out it kind of makes it look a bit like oh it's an insanity that drives him to do it but it's not insanity his mental health is only a factor in why he's feeling abandoned yeah i I I think to I think to blame it or to blame to blame all of his actions on um, being mentally unwell is it, it does a disservice to people who are truly mentally yeah. unwell in real life because <laughs> you don't have a lot of people who are suffering from mental illness going around shooting people. Um, well, exactly. And yeah, I I honestly just think that a lot of it is him being um, him thinking that people owe him things when they don't, um, and him being yeah. angry at the fact that people don't talk to him or something and, and don't offer the support he's just I think he's just angry at the world um and it's it's very misguided his anger um instead of like trying to sort of seek support or whatever he just goes to go straight to violence um I think one thing about uh Joaquin's performance is like I, I thought all of it was was great and it was it was a really really good performance but the one thing that i i wasn't too keen on was that in the final moments of the talk show before he shoots um murray on tv is that murray. i i if he really wanted to convincingly portray like an, a mentally unstable person i don't think i would have wanted him to resort to anger because yeah. he started raising his voice and being like, "Do you know what happens when you yeah, when yeah. you put you know a, a, a dysfunctioning society with a mentally unstable person, you know?" And it and it was building and building, and I understand that it was building to a point where you know you release the pressure and the gun goes off. But how much more um, like uh, how much more horrifying and harrowing it would have been if he'd said that line so calmly and just like matter-of-factly and then he shot somebody i I feel like that would have been so much more of a statement and would have made his instability of a character be in mental decline it would have been so much more convincing i i also think that the chat show is staged i think i i think and i i guess that this isn't what the film is doing but i think don't you think it'd be more disturbing if he says all the stuff about 
he comes on, he does the dance. He's kind of more him than we've seen him be the entire film. And then he confesses to killing the guys on the subway. Um, and the audience are horrified. And he keeps saying all this stuff and the audience go, but don't you think it'd be more powerful if the audience think he's joking? And yeah. yeah. And he suddenly has the, I just think that that's yeah. a real missed yes, opportunity. Yeah. But we should be feeling like this isn't, we should be laughing at him. Like, we should oh, be going, he's finally a, getting. Yeah, he's just a parody, could, you know. And yeah, exactly. And we know, well, he's finally, he's doing a routine and it's, it's somehow twisted and weird, but people are liking it and laughing at it and that's good. But also we know that he's not joking and that's twisted. I think Robert De Niro as well isn't very good in this film. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the reason he's yeah. in this film is because of, I mean, have, have you seen King of Comedy, Av? I haven't, no. It's, oh, you it's, should, it's, it's better than The Irishman. This, it, well, <laughs> it's also better than this film. I it waited is, three hours and I should have just watched King of Comedy. <laughs> it's like 90 minutes. It's like a... Yeah. Well, maybe it's two hours. It's like a proper... It's mm. sensible length, though. This, well, this, it's, this film is King of Comedy. It's the re- so the reason why Robert De Niro as the talk show host um, is... is it's, it's sort of stunt casting, but it's interesting because... The character in his character in King of Comedy is basically Arthur Flex substitute. He's a guy who idolizes a guy on this talk show and wants to mm. be a comedian, even though I mean, he's not funny. And he's yeah. trying to, you know, he and it, yeah, it's it's him kind of. There's this great scene where he's on like he's on a subway platform or something, and there's like a poster of a cheering crowd, and he's kind of like performing in front of it. So it's it's yeah, right, it's, okay. It's, if if you film, watch King of Comedy, yeah. you'll go. Because I watched it mm. after watching this film as well, and I went, "Oh my god!" And you'll see lots <laughs> of parallels like, between the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, you interesting. Go, and I think that, yeah, I think all of the stuff I was saying about it not feeling new comes from like it, it's King of Comedy. It's, King of Comedy it, says what it wants to say, and you get what it's saying, and it's so, and you have the same thing. You don't know. There's not to give too much away, but the the it's ambiguous at the end. Like you don't really know how mm. real some of it is, and. And and also Robert De Niro went and did comedy, <laughs> like he did some open mics, and uh, to kind of get it authentic, which is weird enough when you think you might have been in New York watching comedy and it's Robert De Niro, <laughs> but, but but Robert De Niro doing the routine he does in. Uh, in King of Comedy, which is people have pointed out that the reason it's so clever is because it's fine his routine yeah. where you you don't see it till the very end and his routine's okay, it's all right, yeah. It's it's got it's not bad, <laughs> it's not brilliant, but it's not bad, and and it's just beautifully pitched. But the idea of going to a comedy club, seeing Robert De Niro do a routine, and it being all right, that's <laughs> um, fine. And I, I would actually like to say, you were talking about the mental illness and why he kills, and yeah. that reminded me that I I think actually one of the, this the thing this film does really well for me is that it you know exactly why he's killing every single person he kills. Hmm. And actually, it's not, I, I don't think it's, I, I think he's clearly the mental illness is not helping him. And, and the delusion probably influences a lot of the murder, maybe because we don't really know how real it is, blah, blah, blah. But I think in terms of him killing, none of that comes from his illness. That comes, so in the subway, when he kills the Sondheim fans, he kills the first one out of self-defense. He, mm. he doesn't mean to do it. It's kind of an accident almost. And then... He kills the second one because he's a witness. Out of uh, uh, oh, what's the word? He kills the second one out of uh, exhilaration. Um, that's not the word. <sighs> adrenaline. It's the first one out of self-defense. Second one out of adrenaline, and then the third one. It's it's he's getting it's sport, and he it, the adrenaline kind of 
boils over and he's just kind of he can't stop himself because he's ha- he feels alive in a way that he hasn't previously and then we don't know what happens to Daisy Beats um but these are all big spoilers um he kills the guy who lent him the gun out of revenge because as far as he's concerned the guy I set him up uh he kills his mum because he's feeling betrayed by her and then he kills Robert De Niro I think I think it's very clear when he goes on that talk show that he's he's not planning to do that. I mean, we know he's gonna he's planning to kill himself, and he decide and, and and he gets into the swing of what he's saying so much that he he kind of he kills Robert De Niro, his character, um, and so that's more to do with sort of what he's saying. But none of it is because of he's very clear that all this political movement cropping up around him has got nothing to do with him. He doesn't believe in any of that. Uh, he's becoming un- an unwitting kind of figurehead of it, but it's not because he thinks that the he, he the only things he thinks about the city, he thinks because of his personal experience, not because he wants to change the world, just because yeah. he feels like he's been personally let down. Hmm. And that he's entitled, he feels like he's entitled to be a Wayne. You know, he feels like he's he's he deserves better than he's been given, which isn't an unfair thing to think, I think, but... But and and Joni, you saying he was Trump, and I think you can read it like that. For me, Thomas Wayne is much more Trump than. Well, I don't mean he, like Joker. It's not a one-to-one parallel, but I think. Oh yeah, of course. I think the maybe Trumpism more than Trump. The, yeah, I, the, yeah. Well, the, even Thomas Wayne isn't that Trump, is he? But yeah. he's a, a Trumpian bastard. I suppose. Yeah. And that's all for this part of Not Exactly Citizen Kane. We've decided to split this episode into three parts because we spent so long talking about every single film that came out in this year. So part three should be coming along very soon. And we hope you've enjoyed this one. Bye-bye.